You know, digital is a topic, of course, everyone is discussing these days, especially within community banking. We've seen digital transformation become one of the top priorities and something that came out of the survey as being something that keeps our CEOs up at night. There has been incredible change in mass culture around investing. Accessibility has never been higher. What's top of mind for every client is the incredibly challenging times that we're going through right now. Work is on trial. Every business has had to adapt the way that they work and how they work over the last two years. We know employee experience is something we need to focus on, but where do we even begin? Banking is a risk business, but in today's environment, we are being faced with uncertain times. Financial institutions have always had partners who could help evaluate, address, and mitigate risk, but today they need to lean on those partners more than ever. Welcome to Bank on Whitfleet. Each episode will feature discussions around industry issues, hot topics, and current trends, giving you an insider's look at how top performers and professionals are staying ahead of the curve. All right, let's get into today's conversation. Welcome, everyone. Today's guest is Barbara Lau, a senior manager on the talent management team here at Whitley. Barbara is a recognized leader in financial services, human capital, and is with us today to talk about the challenges facing financial institutions, especially surrounding the identification and development of succession and successors for key leadership roles. You may recognize Barbara's voice from a prior podcast, We've invited Barbara back to talk further about talent. Specifically today, we're excited to talk with her about why now is the time to create your succession plan. We know from our podcast listeners' feedback that talent retention is weighing heavily on the industry and succession planning can aid in that retention. At our recent financial services forum, Uh, Elliot Eisenberg, PhD, our keynote speaker, shared there is something like 0.6 workers available for every two job openings, if I'm remembering that statistic correctly. So given those figures, let's jump in. Barbara, thank you so much for being here today. It's my pleasure. Would you provide our listeners some information about you and your background and the role you play with your clients? Sure, sure. Well, I have over 25 years of experience in both human resources and consulting, and I've actually worked in the banking industry where I created and managed a a corporate university uh, for a Chicago financial institution. Um, I work with clients primarily in organizational development types of initiatives, such as talent management, uh, uh, leadership development, Um, And a hot topic these days, of course, is creating succession plans for high potential future leaders. So bottom line, I love helping people and organizations be successful. Well, thank you, Barbara. Uh, We're excited to have someone that has both uh, practitioner experience and then certainly someone who's out in the field right now with clients. Let's ask the obvious question, why should succession planning be top of mind for someone's financial institution? Well, first and foremost, with the current talent shortage, which by the way, will continue for at least another 15 years, uh, financial institutions are now competing with other similar organizations as well as other industries 
uh, for top talent. Succession planning, therefore, is often placed on the back burner, but what we're finding is that many boards are asking for the plans because they're concerned about the future viability of the leadership pipeline in uh, the financial institutions that they serve on the boards for. And so also, I've been traveling around the country speaking on this topic at various banking conferences and events. And interestingly, when I ask how many people in the audience actually have a written succession plan, or even perhaps an Excel spreadsheet with names listed of potential successors, many times no one has one. And while I'm not surprised, it would make me very nervous not to have a plan in place, especially in light of the talent shortage that we are experiencing today. I would agree. And thank you for sharing how you're driving those conversations, both at seminars and conferences, and then at your clients. Um, to back up, maybe we start with the foundation of today's challenges. You know, why, again, is it now we have to be thinking of creating our succession plan, Barbara? Sure. Well, I think we're all familiar with the phrase, there's no time like the present, but for succession planning, now is the time to focus on keeping your high potential, high performing individuals and developing them for their next promotional opportunity. First, to uh, lessen the potential interest in other job offers and then also to secure the succession pipeline for your financial institution. This is really critical. Some financial institutions, interestingly, are caught off guard thinking they have a succession line. All it takes is one circumstance. Either the successor may relocate, um, might retire early, or becomes ill, and then the leadership and the board are left to make some quick decisions which may not always be in the best interest of the financial institution. And for smaller financial institutions, there may be only one viable successor in the short term at best. So planning can help alleviate some of this stress. Yes, I'm sure no one wants to be in the situation of having to make some of those decisions you're talking about, especially given where recruiting is today. So thank you for providing this foundation. Can you paint a picture, Barbara, for our listeners of what the succession planning process looks like? There's a lot of buzz around it. Everyone talks about it. But what does it actually look like? Well, we've created a formula, if you will, at Wifley for creating a plan, and it is a very well thought out process. So succession planning is accomplished one organizational level at a time. Thus, we start with the executive leadership team. We meet with them either as a team or one-on-one, -on -one, whichever method the client prefers, uh, and we identify and discuss their high potential high-performing employees. And we use a tool to do this. We call it a nine-box grid that has definitions to help us determine where employees should be placed on this grid. The discussions can really be amazing. So then we have a discussion about the readiness 
of each of these candidates to assume a promotional role. In some instances, an individual could be designated as an interim candidate and not a long-term successor, for example. This could happen when the employee does not desire to be in a leadership role, or perhaps maybe close to retirement and uh, may not have the opportunity for promotion. But nevertheless, they might be someone who can keep operations going should an opening be available, uh, at least in the short term. And while other successors or candidates in the feeder group may be ready for promotion anywhere between one to five years. And so once that level of readiness is determined, then we start creating a plan for each successor and their next role. So again, a very well thought out process where we discuss high performing, high potential people. I like some of those terms you were talking about, Barbara, the feeder group, maybe a bridge group that really helps uh, paint a picture and, and understand how to think about individuals in terms of how they can impact the organization. Uh, so interesting. Uh, I know all of our financial institutions are under pressure right now and you know there's so much work to be done and, and so many um, demands on, on leadership's time. What you're discussing sounds like a lot of work and a lot of heavy lifting. Does it take a lot of time to create a succession plan? It, can you just let us know a little bit about that? Sure, sure, absolutely. And, and you're absolutely right, everyone is busy and that's probably the biggest reason as to why many organizations don't have a succession plan. Uh, and sometimes that's why boards initiate uh, the conversation because they feel that it's important. But yes, life gets in the way and other things get in the way. But I can tell you that it doesn't have to take an extensive amount of time. Um, especially, you know, in the, in the first year that we do this, it might take some more time because it's the first time the leadership team is going through the process. And so, uh, you know, we, we've created the process, though, to be very efficient uh, in order to capture the relevant information and having the appropriate discussion around high potential, high performing people. So overall though, in terms of the time commitment, I can tell you, generally speaking, it takes no more than four meetings, totaling around six hours, depending on the number of positions um, that we're having a discussion about. Uh, so four meetings, six hours to complete a plan for an executive leadership team. So I think it's important to note that it's not extensive. Uh, and it's and it's important exercise to go through. I, I get the feeling you just want our listeners to just start the process, know that it'll be imperfect. Uh, maybe borrowing that term from fintech, just look for a minimum viable product or MVP, something to start the process. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, that's exactly uh, the point. And you know what's interesting is people sometimes get very. Um, uh, intent on making sure that they have people in the right slots and the right boxes and this changes over time this is an organic process and in fact we recommend that these plans be updated at least annually and so perhaps we've placed someone in a particular box on the grid today 
but a few months down the road that that circumstance might change and we might move them. So it's an organic process. Don't get caught up in whether we have it exactly right, because every time it's reviewed, there might be circumstances that change our opinions. The important thing is we create the plan, we recognize high-performing people, and we get this locked down. It's not about perfection. Okay. The only thing constant is change, huh, Barbara? Well, that's an understatement, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know when you and I were preparing for this podcast, uh, you mentioned people often think of succession planning as something that really is focused on the C-suite. I know in our work in strategic planning and operational excellence with our team, we're seeing that succession planning is really going deeper as we look at people that may have institutional knowledge and they're not at the C-suite level and we're concerned about how to replace them. So how does what you're talking about extend beyond the C-suite? And are there differences in that planning method or how you approach it, Barbara? Well, there, there are a couple of different ways to look at this. Yes, succession planning originated in the C-suite, but it should expand beyond the top levels of the organization. Um, but it may vary by financial institution. It depends on the size and the number of levels. And if, if I can give you a visual, look at your organizational chart, okay? At minimum, clients should create a succession plan for the top two to three levels to determine the number of viable candidates that you have in the feeder group. But with that said, we recommend going as deep into the organization structure as necessary until the point is reached where an adequate number of successors exist. And this will vary by organization. So in other words, if you have a robust feeder group or a line of succession, uh, then you probably don't need to go any further. And for most organizations, if you're curious, that ends somewhere around the supervisory types of, of positions. But again, everyone might be different. It's also imperative to consider other positions, as, as you mentioned, Robert, that would be difficult to replace. And it might be because maybe the nature of the work they do, or as you say, the institutional knowledge that they possess, or maybe other significant factors. So the easiest way to define who these people are is if they left uh, your financial institution today, it would leave a gaping hole because no one else knows how to do that job. There may be no cross-training or backup for this individual. Um, and there may be no manual for prepared for how this person does their work. So there could be many different ways that you analyze these people. We like to call, call them the least afford to lose individuals. And so as we go through the succession plan, we also focus on these individuals too, to make sure that our clients are making sure that there is a plan for these individuals for succession as well. Yeah, I think that institutional knowledge piece is so key. And especially, you know, when you mentioned the nature of the work, I don't know how many conversations we've been having where we have long tenured uh, individuals who have, you know, that institutional knowledge and are doing work that is not replicated across the financial institution. 
And oftentimes, you would probably know better than I, that this becomes a major crisis when that person is no longer going to be doing the work, retiring, or leaves. And we haven't really thought of it because we focus solely on the C-suite. So I love that you brought that up, Barbara. Well, and you know what's interesting about it is they are often the long-term employees who are incredibly capable uh, in their positions and no cross-training has taken place. And just know that if you can plan for the, the transition of these individuals, well, that is an ideal scenario. But many times, you know, people might become ill or might relocate or have any number of personal circumstances that would cause them to leave the organization. And then we get caught off guard by not planning for these folks as well. Exactly. Exactly. So important to remember that look across the organization. And I know you you foster that conversation with your clients so often, Barbara. Another aspect I know that you work heavily in is employee development. Uh, used to be we thought of these as formal training programs. Now I think the umbrella has kind of opened up to cover so much more. Um, what are some common practices that provide the best return on investment after maybe identifying that, is it feeder group, Barbara, or high potential? You know, what, what, what do we think about there? Right, right. Well, the, the feeder group is our high potential population. And by the way, recognizing people and telling them that they're in the succession plan uh, and that you view them as a high potential employee is highly motivational and really goes a long way in helping retention. And so once we get to that point where we have these people identified, then we need to make sure that they're prepared for that next role whenever that may come. And so this is accomplished through what most people call a developmental plan. However, here at Whistly, I created a career blueprint process that is, is what I call a development plan on steroids because it also incorporates leadership competencies. And so we have the leadership competencies, the long and short-term goals of the individual, and numerous development opportunities are presented to them based on their skill or their leadership competency gap. The beauty of this process is that we can assess candidates on 40 different leadership competencies. And so for example, being strategic is very important for a leader. And so we don't want to make an assumption that someone is strategic. We can actually measure them on a continuum to determine just how strategic they are, and then can provide some recommendations for development to get them closer to where they need to be, whether it's strategic or any of the other 39 leadership competencies. So in essence, if the candidate follows a plan and has conversations with their manager on an ongoing basis, they should be ready for succession. Career blueprint process. Absolutely love it, Barbara. I'm going to start using that term. Thank you. Um, what a pleasure having you as a guest today. I know there is so much more time we could take discussing it, but we only have so much time to uh, record. We appreciate you being available to have this conversation and uh, your insights, expertise, and leadership are so valuable, Barbara. 
Well, thank you. It was really my pleasure, uh, you know, to to be here for this podcast to talk about a topic that's near and dear to my heart. And I really feel so many organizations can benefit by creating this plan. It really is sort of an insurance plan, right? Exactly. And, you know, you mentioned that 15-year kind of long runway we're going to have to get really used to this. And I think the capital, human capital or people side of the business is something that uh, we really need to think about probably more than ever uh, for those of us that have been in banking or financial services a while. That is a guarantee. Thank you again, Barbara. And to our listeners, thank you for allowing us to share some ideas with you. As always, reach out with any questions or comments. We look forward to hearing from you and having you listen to our next podcast. Today, our guest has been Barbara Lau, who works with her clients on solving real talent crisis issues. In today's podcast, we examined the current talent talent shortage, how financial institutions must focus on retaining their best talents. Uh, It's simply the name of the game in today's service environment. We talked about succession planning as not only a way to retain talent, but also plan for the future. That succession planning reaches all levels of the organization. And at a minimum, starting to look at the top two to three levels of the organization, Barbara gave you some suggestions on how to do it and just the time uh, that it may take to just start. And we also talked about creating a succession plan as an investment for that career blueprint and retaining your top talent, or as Barbara mentioned, your feeder group. Thank you again. You've been listening to Bank on Whitfully. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and tune into the next episode as we feature insights from other leaders in the financial industry and even more ways you can stay ahead of the curve.